us pray together. Father, what an awesome, what an awesome prayer. God, in our life, in my life, I pray that you would indeed be high and lifted up. Father, in our world, the world in which we live right here, that you might be high and lifted up and then God, in, in our love for you and for the people in the world around us, may you be lifted up and exalted. Father, we just invite you. God, if you would just come this morning and manifest your presence uh, among us. Father, we are so desperate for you and for your spirit and for your son to speak into our life. And I would just pray, Lord, that you would, uh, God, that you'd do that today. God, you have a word for us today. And I pray that our hearts would be open and that we'd be sensitive because you want to speak. There is a word from God for today. And so, God, I pray that you would just come and meet with us. And uh, we'll honor you, Father, for everything that you do this morning. And we just praise you and we give you glory now in the strong name of Jesus. The awesome name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word, I hope you do. Uh, Let me encourage you to always uh, bring God's Word with you. We're going to speak from it each week. John chapter 14, excuse me, John chapter 14. Uh, We'll be looking there in just a minute. Uh, Welcome home. We have been on a road trip all summer. We've been, uh, there's an old country song that said, I've been everywhere. We hadn't been everywhere, but we've been a lot of places. We started in St. Louis, if you were with us at the beginning of June. St. Louis is the gateway to the West, but it's part of the show me state. And we talked about how important it is to show people the way to Jesus. And then we, from there, we went to uh, Las Vegas and learned not to gamble with sin. It'll mess up your life. And we went by Jackson Hole and talked about the majesty of God. And then it was on to L.A. for... Well, for, for the fact that uh, a lot of things in life are make-believe, uh, Satan is the prince of this world, and he masquerades as an angel of light, and he make, helps us make-believe that, that what we think is real and important is really not, and so we talked about that, and from there we went to Boston, the cradle of freedom, the birthplace really of uh, the revolution, or at least part of that. We talked about that uh, back in July, then to New York for some stuff on finances, and uh, then you guys went to the beach, and I think Kyle led us. We talked about doing big stuff with your life. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about at the end of the message today, is, is what are you doing big uh, that's going to last. And so we'll get to that. And from there to the Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame in Canton. Uh, missed that as well, but uh, I know it was good to look at the fathers of our faith and, and the importance of that. Then we talked about how God wants to give us rest wants to speak into our life and give us easiness. Then last week we were in Mississippi, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. We talked about Southern hospitality. Anybody drinking sweet tea this week? Anybody? Just me. Well, I look for it. Some places got it and some places don't. But anyway, we had, I had some fun with that. We talked about how important it is to, uh, to welcome people into the kingdom of God and into the family of God. And so, uh, by the way, uh, if you were here last week and God stirred your heart about being a host or helping welcome people when they come here. Uh, We're going to do some uh, equipping tonight at 6 o'clock. If you were to go out that door right there, M103 is right there, or room 103 is right there. We'd love for you to come and join us for that. But, you know, here's what happens. When you go on vacation or you go on a trip, sooner or later, you got to come home, right? I mean, it may be a week. It may be three days. It may be a month. But sooner or later, 
you got to come home. Well, this morning we're back in Wimberley and we're home. And so I want to talk about that subject a little bit because I don't know how it works for you when you go on vacation, but sooner or later on vacation, there's a time when I'm thinking I need to get home. Either I got work to do or I've run out of time or run out of money, whatever the case may be. But you come to a point where it's, it's time to go home. And so that's where we are in our journey. Well, Jesus had come to that same conclusion, the text that we're going to look at. Uh, he, had, he had been on a road trip. He had been doing his personal public ministry for uh, some three years. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. Then they were down to Egypt and then back to Nazareth. And he grew up there. And then his ministry started as an itinerant preacher and he walked all over, literally all over Israel and that part of the world. And, uh, but the time had come for his trip to end. And this is the text we're going to read uh, is in the middle of a section, John 13 through 17, is really the last few hours that Jesus had with his disciples. It's the night before he's betrayed or the night he was going to be betrayed, the night before the crucifixion. And so he knew the journey was about to end. And he wanted to teach some truth, and he wanted to speak into their life. And so we're going uh, to read about that because they had this, the disciples had this wrong idea. They really thought, and this is really important for us to understand, the disciples thought when Jesus came on the scene that it was about the here and now. They really believed that he was going to deliver them from the, the tyranny of Rome and that they were going to, he was going to be king, and if they were disciples, that meant they were going to be the cabinet they were going to be the minister of defense. and all. So they really thought that the kingdom was about here and now. And Jesus spoke to them that night. And he told them it, it really was not about the here and now. So let's read and then I want to make the, uh, hopefully we'll unpack this verse, the, these verses and I think it will help us. John chapter 14, uh, we're going to begin in verse 1 when I get there. Why don't we stand? Let's honor the Lord's word. This is the Lord Jesus himself. Let's, let's stand as we read uh, six verses from John 14. You know the passage. You're familiar with it if you uh, uh, probably, but let's listen to what the Lord Jesus says. He says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. By the way, he's just, he's just informed them. It's not about the here and now. In fact, I'm leaving in case y'all didn't know. So he's just told them that, and here's what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then here's, I kind of relate to Thomas. Thomas pops up and listen to what he says. He says, Lord. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, may you bless the reading of your word. May you speak into our lives this morning, and we'll honor you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for honoring the Lord's Word, and I pray that He would speak into our lives out of that. I don't know what you think about when you think about heaven. Uh, I know a lot of times we don't think about heaven. A lot of times I think we're captivated by the same ideology that captivated the disciples. 
They thought it was about the here and now. And a lot of times we think life is really about what's here and what's now. It's about how we make a living. It's about where we're going to live. It's about what we accumulate. It's about where we're going to go to college. It's about what we're going to study. And if we're not careful, we buy into the idea that this whole thing about the kingdom is about now. And what Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's, it's not so much about now. It's about then. And so I want us to wrap our hands around the, the topic, if you will, or the subject this morning of heaven. We don't preach a lot about heaven these days. We don't talk a whole lot about heaven these days. And I'm convinced in the church of Jesus Christ, we don't even think a lot about heaven. But I heard this week there's over 500 references to heaven in the Bible. And so it really is about then and there and not here now, but what do you think about when, when you think about heaven? I mean, what, is it, what does it strike your mind? You know, some people think about clouds and harps and angels with little wings and all that good stuff. And I think most of us pretty much understand that's not true any more than, than the devil's a little red man with horns and a pitchfork. I mean, we, I think we understand that's a, uh, that's a fallacy. But what do you think about when you think of heaven? Uh, some of us are kind of like the old Joe Diffie song, the old country song from years ago. Some of you will remember this. I'll read the whole first verse, but I really want to focus on one part. But the song starts out, it says, I ain't afraid to die, and it's the thought of being dead. I want to go on being me once my eulogy's been read. Don't spread my ashes out to sea. Don't lay me down to rest. You can put my mind at ease if you'll fulfill my last request. Prop me up beside the jukebox if I die. Now, here's the, here's the phrase. Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Now, isn't that true for most of us? I mean, if we were to do a survey this morning, I bet every single one of us, at least every one of us that believe in heaven, would say, I want to go to heaven. But if we had a bus out there under the awning, and I said, this bus is headed there today, I don't know how many takers we would get, right? We want to go and hope, hopefully we're ready to go. But most of us don't want to go tonight. Now, a couple thoughts out of that. First of all, is that bad? Is it wrong? Is it wrong as a believer to say, I want to, Jesus, I want to go to heaven, but I don't really want to go tonight. Is, is that right or wrong? And I'm, we're not even, I'm not even going to answer that question. Uh, but I'll, I'll shed some light on it. Well, let's just, let's do that. When you go on vacation, if you're having a good trip, you want to go home, but you don't want to go home early, right? I mean, if the money's not run out and the time's not run out and the fun's not run out, we'd like to stay. Isn't that right? Y'all can nod your head. It's okay. Yeah. We don't really want to come home till it's over. Isn't that true? Now, if you're having a bad trip, then you're like, I'm, I need to get home. Well, a lot of people, that's our thought about life. If things are good here, I want to stay. Or things are good enough here, and I'm not really sure what's there, so I just soon stay here. Now, there are some people, you've met some, you know some, maybe you're one of them, that life's been hard, life's been difficult, and you just can't wait to get to heaven. In fact, I'll say this, if, if things get, keep going down the road they're going, more of us are going to want to go there, I think, than want to stay here. I think that's going to 
come pretty quickly. But let, let's just talk about this whole idea. I, I want to get into the issue of heaven because here's the thing. I, I believe if we understood heaven better, we would be more preoccupied with heaven than we are with here. But if, you know, I mean, just think about that. If, if you know, if you know you're going somewhere better and you know it's better, then you're going to be thinking about, focused on, and working towards that. And so what I want to do is to stir your heart this morning about heaven and to understand how important it is for us to think about that. But let's just talk about it. Let's look at our text. I want to first of all talk about heaven being a place. You know, living in our culture, uh, it's kind of unusual to go to church and, and someone open God's Word and, and speak out of God's Word and talk about heaven because in our day and age, uh, a lot of people don't want to delve into the subject of heaven any more than they want to talk about the subject of hell. But the Bible's very clear. Heaven's a real place. Hell's a real place. Every soul that ever existed is going to exist for eternity somewhere. You know that, right? Your soul is going to exist forever somewhere based on the authority of God's Word, either in heaven or in hell. Okay, but heaven, this place called heaven, is indeed a place. Notice what our Lord said. Jesus said in verse 2, He said, In my Father's house are many rooms, or some translations, In my Father's house are many mansions. And so there's some things about heaven as a place. First of all, uh, we would say that that heaven is, it's, it, not only is it a place, but it's a permanent place. When Jesus talked about the Father's house and he talked about a lot of the Gospel of John, he uses a word, I think the, the word in the original language is uh, mino, but it means to remain or stay. And Jesus often said to his disciples, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if my word remains in you... In fact, over 40 times in John's gospel, he talks about this issue of remaining or staying in him. And so when the Bible talks about heaven, it's talking about a permanent place. It's a place, but it's a permanent place. But not only is it permanent, this, I find this very interesting. Just follow along with me in your copy of the word there. Let's just start in verse 2. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... I would have told you. You might just want to underscore the word you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. There, you may want to mark that. And if I go there or if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Amazing in just, in just a couple verses, Jesus is talking about the personal aspect of heaven. Heaven is not just this pie in the sky. It is a personal... He said, it's my Father's house. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Now, a lot of times we think of heaven as, well, you're going to have your house, and you're going to have your house, and, and all this. And you know, I think we've, we preachers have kind of led people to believe that. And I don't know that that's not true, but here's what I know Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, my Father's got a really big house. And in this big, big house, there are lots and lots of rooms. And I believe what he was saying to the disciples is one of those rooms is yours. Because he kept saying about you and you and you. He's talking, it's personal. I don't know how it works for you when you go on a trip. But one of the best things about coming home is I like to sleep in my own bed. I don't know how you are. I, li- I like to lay on my own pillow. I, if we took a survey, 
we all got our own pillow, or at least most of us. In fact, if your wife gets your pillow or you get hers, you, you got to swap out. Or as a, you know, that happened. Maybe it, it happens at some of your house, I can tell. There's just, listen, we, we like our own stuff. I like to go on vacation. I mean, my little girl, especially my little girl, she loves the hotel. I mean, the, the dream of her trip. I mean, we're going to Grand and Papa's, and she's, first thing, we get in the car, she says, are we going to stay in a hotel tonight? She, she wants to stay in a hotel. And, I, and that's fine. I like to stay in a hotel. But I really like sleeping in my own bed because I know who's been there. I really like going to my own bathroom. I like being in my own shower. I, I just do. Right? You know, if you go down here, uh, isn't it interesting? You go down to New Braunfels and, and, and there's this big sign about Bucky's and it says that Bucky's, they got 83 thrones. Your throne awaits. Hey, anybody seen that sign? We buy, we'd rather be at ours. All of us would. Why? Because we just, there's something about being in our place. There's something about being in our home, in our room. They, we're just made that way. And Jesus was saying, listen, heaven is personal. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you invest your life in Jesus, if you spend your life for Jesus, then he's going to make this place. And whatever he makes for us, I believe, is going to be made out of the stuff that we send up. You're going to have your own little slice of heaven. Now, there's a sign in Wimberley, your little slice of heaven. And, and that's, you know, that's good. But I'd just soon have a little slice up there because it's going to last forever. It's permanent. It's personal. But notice something else. There's another thought about uh, the idea of the place called heaven. It's permanent. It's personal. But also the Bible says that heaven is a perfect place. It's unlike any place that we've been. In fact, um, I I don't know if it's wrong to not want to go or not. I'm just glad to know when I go. It's going to be perfect. If you want to read about the perfection of heaven, Revelation 21, I think it begins about verse 7 all the way down to the, to the balance of the chapter. You can read about that. Time won't allow us to do that. But just, just understand, our Father's house is perfect. Now, the Bible uses some other names for our Father's house. In fact, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, it refers it, it refers to heaven as a country. In fact, the author of Hebrews says, we are looking for a better country. I've been watching the Olympics, and it's kind of, you know, that's kind of one of the things I like, well, sports I like to watch. But I really like the Olympics because a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them work really, really hard. And they're thrilled to be able to represent their country, and they're excited, and they talk about, man, I'm I'm glad to be able to represent America. And I love America, and I know we got our issues, but I just don't know there's a better place in America to live right now. If you think there is, then have at it. I'm just not sure there is. But the Bible says there is a better country. The author of Hebrews says, we're looking for a better place. There's something better than this. And the Bible says, not only is it a better country, but it says there's a new Jerusalem, this, this glowing city. If you're reading Revelation, it talks about the city. I won't go into the details, how big it is, how wide it is, and all that stuff. But just understand, our Father's house is compared to a better country. It's compared to a bigger city. It's compared to a kingdom. The Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven. And and then if, if there's a kingdom called heaven, then there's a king in heaven. And the Bible says that God is our king. 
and he talks about it all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament that God is going to reign and heaven is king. You know, we live in a world, the Bible says that there is a prince in this world named Satan and he has influence over this world, but one day we're going to be in a place called heaven and God is the king of that place and it is going to be awesome because there's going to be no sin, no anything there. And then the Bible says that, that heaven is, a, is, is paradise. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? You remember the story? There's a thief on each side, and one of them is cursing and browbeating Jesus and saying, if you're who you say you are, then come down and take us away. And the other guy says, he just humbles himself. And he looks over at Jesus. However you look from across, I don't know how that works, but he looks over at Jesus, and he just humbles himself, and he says, he says Lord, just remember me when you get in your kingdom. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you're going to be in paradise with me. We don't, we don't even know what paradise is, but the Bible talks about it. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 12. We'll look at it in just a minute. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about the tree of life in the paradise of God. And I don't, I don't know all the, what the Garden of Eden is like. And I don't know what all the paradise of God's been like. But in our series, we went to, we went to Jackson Hole and to the, Yellow, to, to the Yellowstone area. And, and I've been to some of them places God's created. And that's not the paradise of God. That's just what God made here. And so heaven is going to be this amazing place. In fact, take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Turn to your right from John. Go past Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. You really want to look there and you just kind of want to look with me beginning in verse 21. Paul writes, he says, now just get this picture with me. Paul's, uh, he's in prison, chained to a Roman soldier and he writes this statement. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, it'd be easy for us to say, yeah, I mean, it's easy for Paul to say that, that he would like to go on and be with Christ because he's chained to a Roman soldier. In fact, historians tell us, that 24-7, he's hooked up, and he's under house arrest, we believe, when he wrote these books, these th- four epistles, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But, but they believe, historically, that he, under house arrest, day in, day out, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And so it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, man, it'd be better for him to die. Man, he's in prison. But that's not the whole story. In fact, if we look, and just hold your place there because we're coming back. Go back to your left to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 3. He says, And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. There's our word. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Now, so imagine with me, Paul's, he's caught up to the third heaven. By the way, this is another sermon, but if there's a third heaven, guess what that tells us? There's a second, right? I'm an Aggie, but if there's a third, it means there's a second, and it means there's a first. And just quickly, the first heaven's the atmosphere. Birds, planes, bugs fly. 
in the first heaven. That's just the atmosphere that we see. The second heaven, we may look at this next week in, in uh, Psalm 19. The second heaven is where the, the planets and the stars, and it's just the heavens. When we go out tonight and it's clear, and you look up into the heavens, that's the second heaven. But then there's the unique heaven. That's this place where God is. And, and scripturally, we believe that it's somewhere past the heavens that we can see into the far north because they tell us there is there's something out there they just can't see it and maybe that's where it is i don't know but there's this unique heaven and that's where god is and the scripture says paul says that i was caught up to this third heaven he says i he says i don't know if that was in a dream or i don't know if it was in my body he said all i know is this i heard some stuff and i saw some stuff that man is not permitted to tell in fact, it was so amazing that God gave him, the Bible says God gave him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know if he got a sickness. We don't know what happened. But God gave him this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble so he wouldn't go overboard bragging about paradise. And so you got that picture with me? Paul had seen it. He had been there. He knew what it was like. And so if you go back, if you go back over to Philippians chapter 1, he says... I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better. Look at this. He says, it's better by far. Now, can I just ask you this? If we really believe, think with me, if we really believed heaven was better by far, we'd want to go more than we want to go. We would want to go sooner than we want to go. We would want to take people with us when we go. And so we need to understand that heaven, this place called heaven, man, it is personal, it is permanent, it is perfect. It's as good as it gets. And this is, listen, I'm telling you, this is the preseason. That's all it is. It's just the preseason. And so we need to understand the place called heaven is perfect it's permanent it's personal and, and so there's a place there for you and there's a place there for me but let's talk secondly if you go back to john i want us to think secondly not only about the place called heaven but also what does the bible say about the people of heaven well let's look in our little discussion there john, uh, thomas says to jesus verse 5 says lord we don't really know where we're going where, where you're going so how can we know the way and jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life now so who's who's going to populate heaven this isn't politically correct. You may think I'm narrow-minded. But the Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. There's no other way to get to God's heaven than through God's Son. Over and I think it's in Matthew, Jesus says, Broad is the road that leads to destruction Narrow is the gate that leads to life. So you mark this down. You ought to underscore this or underline this verse in your Bible. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so what we know is the people that get to heaven are the people who know Jesus Christ, who have surrendered to God in faith. That's it. That's who's going to be there. That's who's going to populate heaven. Now, interestingly enough, as we think about that, so, so we would ask, so it's easy to say, well, who's going to go to heaven? Well, everybody that believes in Jesus. But I want us to think for a moment about that. 
people who are saved populate heaven, but how do people get saved? How is it that it happens? How does that whole thing work? And so I want you to, I want you to think with me. In fact, let's, let's go to Matthew. If you will, turn over to the book of Matthew. That's kind of back to your left. First Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to read something that at first reading you, you think this has nothing to do with people in heaven, but it really does. Matthew 6, listen to verse 19. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So think with me about this. I was listening to David Jeremiah this week, and he made this wonderful observation. You know, when it comes to heaven... There's only two things from here that are going to be there. There's only two things. The souls of men who have been redeemed and the scriptures of the word of God. I mean, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. The heaven and earth that we know now will pass away. But my word will never pass away. Not one jot or tittle of my word is going to pass away. And secondly... The second thing in heaven are the souls, are the men, women, and boys and girls who have come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. That's, that's all that's going to survive. And so Jeremiah says, if we're, going to, if we're going to lay up treasures in heaven, then we need to be investing in the Word, sharing the Word, speaking the Word, and we need to be investing in the souls of people. That's the only way. Everything we have here, you've heard me say, if you've been coming, you know, in a few years, somebody else is going to drive your car. Somebody else is going to live in your house. I know you like your pillow. I like my pillow. We like our bed. We like our bathroom. Somebody else is going to live there one day. It's not going to go. You might have one of the little blankies or a little favorite teddy bear. It's not going to go with you when you go to heaven. The only thing that we can do is we got to see, if we want our, if we want our treasure to get to heaven, we got to send it ahead. And the only way we can do that is we've got to invest in people. That's what we've got to do. So let me ask you a question. What are, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with, the, with your life that is an investment in the souls of men? How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? How are you using your gifts and talents? How are you using your abilities? How are you using your hobbies to influence people to go to heaven? That's a fair question because the only thing that's going to go there is is people. So how are you? What specific thing? What practical things are you doing in your life now that are going to result in people going to heaven later? I mean, how are you spending your money? How are you spending your time? How are we spending our life so that people are going to go to heaven? Let me just ask you this. And I know I'm getting personal, but it's okay. Because this is really important stuff. In fact, this is the most important stuff. If you, live your, if, you do, if you do the same thing this year, if you spend your money the same way, if you use your gifts and talent, if you do the same thing in your church, same thing in your community, the same volunteer, if you do the same thing this year that you've done, that you've done this past year, who's going to be in heaven because of that? 
If you go to work for the next year and you keep talking about the same stuff and keep doing the same stuff, who's going to be in heaven? If you go to school, students, if you act the same way this year than you did last year, who's going to be in heaven because of you? See, that is a fair question. King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And the Bible says, this is in uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Here's what he said. He, he said. he says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, but he who wins souls is wise. The wisest thing you can do with your, with your life is to influence people for Jesus Christ. Some of you work with kids. Some of you work with adults. Some of you coach kids. and adults. That is an awesome thing. But I would just challenge you. Point them to Jesus. Did you? I mean, the scripture talks about this. Uh, Solomon talked about it in Proverbs. Daniel, the prince of Proverbs, he talked about winning souls and being wise. Jesus, five times. Did you know every gospel and the book of Acts, Jesus said, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go tell the world. If Jesus said five times that we're to invest in the next spiritual generation, he meant it. He who wins souls is wise. So I'm just asking, who's going to be in heaven because of you? Look at 1 Corinthians. I know we're going all over the word, but this is, this is good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's in this conversation uh, with the church, and he's challenged them in some areas. But listen, verse 19. He says, he says, though I am free and belong to no man. We love that. We're Americans. We're free. In fact, we're Texans. We're independent and free. He says, do, he says though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then look down at verse 22. He says, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Now let me ask you this. I want to get really personal. What are you willing to become? What are you willing to become so that by all means you might save some? What are you willing to become? Are you willing to become a Sunday school teacher? Are you willing to invest in the preschool or the student ministry or the children's ministry? Are you willing to, to give up some time and become an Awana worker so you can pour your life into the next spiritual generation? Are you willing to become a greeter? Last week, uh, in fact, we talked about that training we're doing tonight, how to, how to welcome people to God's family. Are you willing to become a host? Are you willing to become a teacher? Are you, are you willing to become a volunteer so that you can influence the next generation? Are you willing to become a tither? Are you willing to give the first 10% of your income to God's work, to his church, so you can invest in the generations? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give above your tithe to missions so, so people can go all over the world? I mean, what, here's a question. What are we willing to become? If, if, if heaven's better by far, if it's better than this, not only should we want to go, we should want to take people with us. So what are we willing to become? Or are we just satisfied to, I'm going to do the same thing this year and I did last year. And if you do that same thing, who's going to go to heaven? Because of you.
Because, see, I just believe, I, I don't know how this is going to work, and this is Philipsology, you can take it for what it's worth, but I just believe that one day I'm going to stand before God, and one day you're going to stand before God, and the books are going to be opened, and he's going to evaluate everything that we've done. And somehow, I don't know if he's going to show a video, I don't know how it's going to look, but everybody we've had an influence for the kingdom of God is going to be there. And I believe they're going to be credited to your account and to my account. So I just got to ask, who's going to be there because of you? It's not going to matter how many trophies you have. It's not going to matter how many championships we won. It's not going to matter how many shoes are in our closet. It's not going to matter how big our house is. What's going to matter then is who makes it to heaven because of us. That's the deal. Heaven's going to be populated with the people that we invest our life in. And I promise you, on the authority of God, I promise you on the authority of God's word, there's nothing better that you can do with your life than to give it to Christ and invest it in leading people to him. Nothing better. Paul said it's better by far. So who's going to be there because of you? Well, We've looked at the, peop- the population or the people of heaven. We've looked at heaven as a place. Let's, let's talk about the path. How do we get people to heaven? Well, they've got to know the way, right? Some years ago, we were at a place called Stone Mountain. It's just kind of a uh, just big, map, big recreation area outside of Atlanta. And my, my brother-in-law and his wife and his kids, my in-laws were there, and a bunch of us were there. And and uh, we were trying to explain to him how to get home. And finally, Elise said, you know what? Why don't I just ride with him? I know the way. She got in the car with Jamie and showed him the way. I can't actually tell you where heaven is. But what I can do is I can point you to Jesus. Because Jesus is the way. And if we want people to go to heaven, we've got we to gotta point them to Jesus. Because he's the way. And if you want to go to heaven, you've got to give your life to Jesus because he is the way. See, I'm convinced some of us here this morning know about Jesus, but we don't yet know Jesus. And the Bible says that, that when you know him, he writes your name in what the scripture calls the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name written in the Book of Life? God has a record. In Exodus, God talked to Moses about his book. In Psalms, twice in Psalms, it talks about God's book alive. The prophet Daniel, again, talks about God's book alive. Jesus talked about it. He said to his disciples, he says, don't rejoice that you have power over demons. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then Paul in Philippians, he talks about these two ladies who labored with him. He said their names are written in the book of life. And then we get over to Revelation. Did you know in Revelation there's like six or seven references to the book of life? Revelation chapter 3 verse 7. Revelation 13 verse 8. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. Revelation 17, 8, 20, 12, 20, 15, 20, 20, 21, 27. All talk about the book of life. If your name, if you've given your life to Christ, God wrote it down. He's got a record. So my question for you, is your name in the book? We can't point people 
somewhere we don't know. So is your name written in the book of life? I want to close with this story and we'll be done. It was, uh, I heard it on the radio, but also it was in a book by Randy Alcorn. It's called, his book called Heaven. But it's about a lady that was a wedding singer. You may have heard the story, but it's such a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. The lady's name was Ruthanna Metzger, and she sang at a very high-profile wedding in the Seattle area. Very prominent family, very well-to-do family. And for the wedding reception, they rented out the top two floors of uh, the Columbia Towers. It's the largest uh, skyscrapers in the northwest U.S. And so they rented out these top two floors. Elegant place. So her and her husband, they leave the wedding, they drive into the parking garage, they go in, they, they elevate up to the, to the second, to the top floor, and they get out, and it's just beautiful, man. It's just everything there is elegant. There's just this very classy staircase, and, and they direct them up the staircase, and they go up to the staircase, and there before you enter the banquet hall, before you get into the banquet hall, there's a maitre d', and he's there with a book. And she walks up and he says, may I have your name, please? And she says, my name is Ruthanna Metzger. And this is my husband, Roy Metzger. And he looks down the page and he says, ma'am, uh, I don't see your name. Could you spell your name for me, please? And she spells it out. And he says, ma'am, I'm sorry. Your name is not in the book. She said, but I sang at the wedding. He says, well, it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter who you are. Your name is not in the book. And he calls over a waiter and he says to the waiter, says, could you escort these kind people to the elevator? And so they walk through the front of the banquet hall. There's the smoked salmon and shrimp and just this classical banquet prepared. There's the orchestra dressed in their white tuxedos about to strike up and celebrate the evening. And the waiter marches them over to the service elevator, puts them on, she says, and punches G for the garage. And she go down, they get in her car, and they drive away. And after they've gone a few miles, her husband reaches over and pats her hand, says she's just crying and upset. And he says, honey, what happened? She said, well, she says, when I got the invitation, she said, I was really busy. And she said, I just didn't send it back. She said, I, I figured I'm the singer. I don't need a reservation. And so she missed out on the banquet. For some of you, God has offered an invitation, and he said to you, come to Jesus, and I'll give you life. I'll write your name in my book. But you've been busy. You haven't accepted the invitation. And so I want to ask you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, would you give your heart to Jesus today? He, Jesus died so you could have life. He wants to put his name in your book or his book. But you got to say yes. You got to say yes. See, some of you are thinking, I'm a Baptist, I'll get in. I'm a Methodist, I'll get in. I, I go to church, I'll get in. No, no, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what we've done. If our name is not in the book, we're not going in.
And the only way to get your name in the book is through Jesus. And so I need to ask you, plainly, have you given your life to Jesus? And if you don't know that you know that you know that you have, will you give your life to Jesus today? Would you do it today? Please bow your heads all over the auditorium. It might be that this resonates with you. I know a message like this falls in in different places, but for some of you, you've never trusted Christ. Your name's not in the book. You know it. God knows it. Would you be willing right now, right here, right now, right where you're sitting, to pray and ask Jesus Christ to come live in your life, to forgive your sin, to write your name in his book? Would you be willing to do that this morning? If so, I want you to pray this prayer. You're not talking to me. You're talking to him. But would you say this to, to him? Say, Lord Jesus, I know that you died for my sin. Jesus, today, I feel your invitation. I want to say yes. Write my name in your book. Come live in my heart, Jesus. Jesus, forgive my sin. Give me a brand new start. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Friend, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you'll do that today, he'll save you forever. He'll save you forever. Father, a number of us, many of us, in fact, we've already given our life to Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, God, if we do the same thing for the next year that we've done for the last year, not many people are going to be in heaven because of us. God, we're preoccupied, many of us, with what's here. And maybe that's you. If you're a Christian, I want to ask you to pray, to, to say this prayer with me. And you, you can say it in your heart. I'm not going to, you don't have to say it out loud. But I would just, let, would you be willing to say, to, to him, say, Lord Jesus. Today, I want to surrender my life anew and afresh to the things of heaven. Jesus, I want to live for you, not for me. I want to live for the next life, not simply for this life. Jesus, I want people to go to heaven because of me. Fill my heart, Lord Jesus, is my prayer. Friend, if you'll surrender, God will use you in a great way. And I pray, I pray that you'll surrender to him today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for us, who's preparing a place in heaven for us, God, in his name, I pray that you would have your way in every man's heart this morning. God, I pray you'd have your way in every, man, every woman's life this morning. God, that you'd have your way in every young person's life today. Jesus, if you're Lord, then you, have, you get your way in our life. And I pray you'll do that today. And I ask it in his awesome and strong name. Amen. What we're going to do this morning is Dan's going to continue to play. And, and some of you here, maybe you prayed and asked Christ into your life. I'd love for you to share that with me. I'll be here at the front if you'd like to come down and share that. Or maybe you realize this morning, this is the, I want to be in a church where they unashamedly talk about the things of God, the things of heaven. Maybe you realize this is where God wants you and your family to be. So we're going to.
doing, we call it an invitation. We're going to give you an opportunity to make a public response to Christ. Maybe you need to just make your way down. Spend a few minutes on your knees. Saying, God, use me. God, use me. If, if heaven's real, and it is. If it's much better than here, and it is. God, use me for heaven. So let's stand all over the auditorium. If God's stirring your heart to make a public decision, I invite you to come. Come to Christ. Come today.